everybody to uh, All About Windows Phone, Insight number 94. We're recording this on Wednesday, the 9th of April, 2014. Um, I'm Steve Litchfield for the site, and with me, the main man, Mr. Rafe Blanford. Hello, everybody. Yes, as promised, this is kind of part two of the Windows Phone 8.1 podcast. So managed to deliver this less than a week after the last one, but that's partly because there's so much to talk about, and we want to get into a little bit more detail on some of the topics we missed last time round. Yeah, along with a few bits of news as well. Indeed. Um, I, I, just before we get started, Rafe, um, we should point out that imminent from you, there will be some hands-on photos of your time with the Lumia 6.30 and 9.30 from the launch last week? That's absolutely right. I mean, I've been looking through some of the pictures, and I'll repeat what I said last time, where the photos don't always do it justice. But I have picked out a couple of things that will hopefully be of interest to people, things like the new uh, podcast app and some of the new uh, Nokia-specific settings that are are going into these new devices and some uh, hints at Lumia Sign as well, which we'll talk about in more detail in the podcast. But one of the things I want to kind of reiterate, because I've had a few questions back about this, is, you know, do I think they're quality bits of hardware? Yes, absolutely. It kind of goes without saying when we're talking about the, the Lumia products. Nokia has established quite rightly a really good reputation and it's deserved and these products will only enhance that as i said about the 630 amazing that it's designed down to that price point personally i don't like the removal of the capacitive keys and instead you've got them on key on screen those navigation keys because you still end up with a a sort of a a bit of space at the bottom of the device where all the aerials go so it feels like a slightly unnatural thing to me but it is about cutting costs obviously and it does do that pretty effectively the 930 is going to you know, attract a lot of attention and one of the things that surprised me most about it was how much difference putting a, a color cover on the back made it feel different to the lumia icon which of course i've seen at mwc and various other times and it kind of stands out as something you know that in one sense, marries the Lumia 925 design to that of the the 920 with slightly more blocky and angular angles. I mean, Nokia always seem to refresh the design for their flagships, but you can see the common thread running between them. And hopefully that will come out in some of the pictures. We've got some uh, comparison pictures in there as well. That's just going to be the beginning of our coverage of those devices. We're going to have a lot more once they're actually available on the market we'll also try and put up a, a few videos so you can get an idea of what it looks like in the hand and some of those other elements too yeah, just one comment before we move on you, you mentioned about the bottom bezel on many smartphones not just windows phones and uh, where the bottom on a half an inch or so of the device is essentially control keys or in this case blocked out completely by plastic and you say well yes there are antennae under there there are electronic components under there there is a school of thought of course that says that um that provides a way to somewhere to rest your thumb to balance the phone and stop it tipping over in your hand and if you've ever seen if you can imagine your uh, mum and dad Rafe picking up a, a modern smartphone with all you know all touch screen certainly my mum and dad the moment they start touching it they touch it in all the wrong places and everything goes horribly <laughs> wrong and uh, having a place where they can actually hold it securely with their thumb at the bottom of the device actually in some ways might provide a, a stability element yeah like all of these things you can argue uh, one way or the other and i think a lot of this comes down to kind of the familiarity or the pareto principle and what you like personally uh, when i'm holding advice i tend to rest my thumb up up on the top left hand side sort of just below the top corner and then move my thumb down when i need to need to sort of touch a key or move something on the screen but if you look at the way people hold their phones there's actually about three or four clear different classifications there's actually some quite interesting academic studies written about this and of course it gets more complicated when you bring in the bigger screen 
screen devices which are physically bigger and sometimes two hands get involved um, and it also depends of course whether you're right and left-handed uh, but that's an absolutely a fair comment and actually you go it's fair enough to take the capacitive keys away in this case because it is about cutting costs and it may only be a few dollars but when you're talking about uh, a device that's you know, going to cost in the region of 130 150 dollars uh, actually that's you know not an insignificant part of the overall build cost um, it'll be interesting to see when people actually try them out for themselves there was much the same debate in the android world wasn't there steve when you know the key started disappearing there and i think a lot of people have come to accept it but there's definitely people sitting on both sides of the fence yeah not least samsung the very biggest android manufacturer of all who absolutely refuses to go to virtual control icons and persists with the um the physical menu uh, app home and back buttons but let's not go there um now brand new is a bit of new breaking news i guess from a, a day or so ago the samsung ative se has appeared but uh, a brand new windows phone but it's not windows phone 8.1 i gather Rafe. it's 8.0 and likely to be the one of the first to receive the 8.1 update over the air and they're quoting may or june i gather it's kind of a, a windows phone version of the galaxy s4 Yes, I think that's the best way to describe it. It's maybe a little hard for us to get excited about it as we're not going to see it on our shores anytime soon because, as you say, it's exclusive to Verizon. But in all other respects, it's actually very similar to the Lumia 930 or the Lumia uh, 1520 in terms of kind of the, the specification because it's based around the high-end Snapdragon 800 processor, so quad-core, I think it's 2.3 gigahertz, 2 gigabytes of RAM, um, 32 gigabytes of internal memory sorry no it's actually 16 gigabytes in the uh, verizon variant and it does have a micro sd card slot so those that are looking for maximum flexibility might want to take a look at this device and also as with a lot of other samsung devices we understand that the battery is removable so uh, that will make uh, steve pleased yeah um, <laughs> and it's also got the various Samsung extra bits of software on it. None of those really stand out from the crowd. I mean, it's things like chat on, for example, but also Sharebox and Samsung Link. But one that is quite interesting is Watch On, and this is something that's also available on the Android devices, which effectively turns your phone into a remote control. So we're wondering whether that actually means there's an IR port on it or it's being done over Wi-Fi. It's not quite clear in the documentation we've seen. I think it's an infrared port, I think, right? Yeah. I, I, I think so. I didn't think Windows Phone supported that, so I was bit surprised to see it uh, and there's also an interactive tv guide now that's actually all set up to work in the state so again it's probably not something we'll see uh, elsewhere but we've seen a couple of manufacturers doing that htc have done it with their tv program and uh, nokia did a limited trial of some of those things back with their uh, symbian devices um, so it's an interesting device and you know five inch screen it's Perhaps some of the interest goes away because, as you say, it's kind of based on the Samsung Galaxy S4 design, just as the Odyssey or the A2S last year was based on the Samsung Galaxy 3. So uh, I don't think there's anything wrong with reusing design, but it, it, it does perhaps take away some of the excitement. And we've commented in the past about Samsung kind of being contractually obliged to produce a Windows phone device. I don't know whether it's so much a contractual obligation as wanting to kind of maintain the expertise in their engineering team so they can create these devices. It'll be interesting to see whether they do any more for you know, 8.1, maybe a low-end device or mid-tier. There's a few rumours floating around about that, just enough to make us think there probably is something on the way, but it's probably going to be very much determined by what operators ask for. Um, but if you like the Samsung style of devices, which we know that some of the listeners do, and there are a lot of fans of the original ATIF handset, um, this is a, a really interesting one. And as Steve says, it's coming out with 8.0. 
I suspect it's coming out with 8.0 only because 8.1 wasn't quite ready and it will you know, get that over the air update very quickly indeed. Um, that's why we expect it to be one of the first to get uh, 8.1. So, you know, kind of an interesting device. Um, it kind of caught my attention, but it's probably been put in a bit in the shade by all the other announcements going on at the moment, Steve. Yeah, and I guess we now know where you stand on the, is it Ative or Ative? And you call it the Ative. So whatever Rafe says goes in my book. So. <laughs> well, I just, yeah, I think it might be something else. I apologise if I've mangled the pronunciation. Yeah. Uh, moving on to some stuff that came out of Build, um, we didn't cover in the last podcast. And um, Wordflow, which we just mentioned very briefly at the end of the last podcast, um, it seems like this, the, the swipe-like keyboard has come to every a mobile operating system in recent times. Like we've even got it um, running quite happily on the last few years on the old Nokia Symbian devices, Rafe. And of course, it's been That's on right. Androids for about three or four years now. I guess the iPhone is, uh, the, the, presumably you can have it as an add-on software for the iPhone, but it's now on Windows Phone as well. And uh, um, did you get a chance to see the, the demo of this? And it's pretty darn, pretty darn slick. It is. I actually had a chance to have a go on the uh, 6.30 and the 9.30 with this activated because what's not immediately clear, it's kind of always on. So you can use the Windows Phone keyboard in kind of the standard way or you can choose to do this. It's kind of like a tracing gesture. So you draw from one letter to the next without lifting your finger off and, you know, spell out the word. And as you say, it's kind of been pioneered, I think, by uh, Swipe, but also SwiftKey on Android uses a very similar approach but one of the things that's interesting about it is microsoft have combined it with some of the existing technology in the windows phone keyboard which we already know is pretty good from a predictive and learning point of view yeah. um, such that you can actually start typing things and it will work out what your next word is and so if there's a phrase you type in regularly you'll almost be able to you know, type in the first word and then see the next suggested word come up and just tap on it and write out a whole sentence without entering in now obviously it depends on how you use the keyboard and what phrases you've been entering but it looks very slick and so it worked very well and in terms of the actual kind of tracing gesture it worked just as the other keyboards did um, there are perhaps some of the power keyboard features that you got on early versions of swipe but some of those have kind of fallen a bit by the wayside as you know it's become more mainstream uh, a typical of windows phone maybe less customized than some of the other you know implementations of this style of keyboard but i don't think anyone's going to complain about this it's you know nice to see this introduced and uh, it can go very quickly indeed it's like anything it takes a bit of time to get used to i've never really got into the keyboards in a, a big way i've had them installed but not kind of taken advantage of them and i wonder whether that will change with windows phone if i'm using it on a device i mean i used it for a while on android particularly with swift key but i uh, have to wait and see but the interesting thing about this steve is i believe there's been a world record around this yes the razor tooth tooth i can't even say it the razor tooth piranhas of the genera cyril salmus and pygocentris are the most ferocious freshwater fish in the world in reality they seldom attack humans now that took me about 18.44 seconds to say <laughs> a guy called gaurav sharma just did did exactly the same he wrote that out on a phone using this word blown with his phone 8.1 um it says 18 seconds to write that that's impressive and it beat the previous world record which was 18.5 seconds actually on a a Samsung Android device but using the uh, sort of, uh, I guess, the uh, default Android 4.3, 4.4 keyboard. So I don't think 0.1 of a second actually makes that much of a difference, but it just clearly shows that the Windows Phone 8.1 word flow is at least well, well up with the competition. 
That's that's right, and that's about eighty words per minute. Now, I, I think we should probably point out this point is we wouldn't expect any normal average user to get to anything close to that kind of speed. But it's probably fair to say that with practice, this WordFlow keyboard will be quicker than the kind of the standard keyboard. So if you're looking to have a bit more flexibility or speed in your text entry on Windows Phone, that's going to be a really nice thing to have. And it's like a lot of things in this Windows Phone 8.1 update, it's kind of filling in a gap, getting to equivalency with Android or iOS. And you know, it's easy to criticise Microsoft and say, oh, they shouldn't have, should have had that already. But actually, it's now arriving. And like some of the other features, actually, I think Microsoft has implemented it in a sort of more intelligent way, with kind of less fuss around the edges, less things that will sort of, uh, not annoy, but maybe confuse users. And so they've done a, a good job here. And uh, that's something I kind of saw repeated throughout Windows Phone 8.1, really. Yeah, yeah. And um, we wanted to move on to talking about the, some of the changes for Windows Phone 8.1 to some of the core hubs, uh, presumably the, the People Hub, the, the Photos Hub, and, and so on. Um, I haven't got any de- details here, Ray. Did, you know, I gather you had a play in the London event with the Windows Phone 8.1 on the two devices. So maybe you can elucidate our listeners with exactly what's different. I, I certainly did, and I certainly will. Bear in mind that I had you know, relatively limited time with these, and actually Microsoft didn't talk about all the changes. So some of it I was kind of just noticing as I was using the devices. And we've mentioned a couple of them on the side and on our, our Twitter feed. But just to talk about some of them, one of the most well-known ones is actually to the change to the music and video hub is that that's now going to be Xbox Music and Xbox Video delivered as separate applications and they will be available through the Windows Phone Store. We've actually got that on 8.0 already, but that's now going to come the default configuration. And the new music app is actually set up to hopefully be a bit more reliable on the syncing with the Xbox Music service and for some of the other things going on. There's a rearrangement of how the uh, user interface works. I didn't have a chance really to play with it in any depth because there wasn't content loaded onto the devices. But it's kind of a good to see that air of functionality decoupled, if you will, um, from the kind of the platform because that means it can be updated as a matter of course. And so, for example, Xbox Video will get up this kind of get this pick up and resume functionality such that you can be watching it on the web, on your Xbox, on your Windows 8 tablet or PC. Pause it then go to that same bit of content on your phone and it will pick up where you left off. You won't have to kind of move through the scrubber to find the location. And it's that kind of joined up thinking that you see in quite a bit of Windows Phone 8.1. It's that three screen thing that we talked about last time. But there's a lot of smaller changes to the other hubs as well. Now, for example, taking the People Hub, um, the actual feeds used to update the social networking element of that people hub are actually being updated to use what microsoft refers to as higher fidelity feeds and what that actually translates to is uh, better quality of photos because they're higher resolution that's a really nice change to see but also part of this is um it's related to the people hub is kind of the integration with uh, social media applications so facebook and twitter so rather than having all that functionality built in they're actually integrating apps into kind of the, the people hub framework and so you'll be dropped into the relevant application when you're looking to do a particular action um, so that's a little you know it's a subtle change but actually will be quite far reaching and probably the best way to illustrate that is to talk about the photos hub which has some changes to the way thumbnails work and actually you're dropped straight into a list of your most recent photos rather than into a list of albums and then there's yeah. actually a pivot view as opposed to a panorama view but previously you had albums listed from facebook and OneDrive and potentially other kind of online photo services 
um, you still have that ability, but it's not kind of built into the photo sub. Instead, you get the third-party applications integrating with it, and you'll then go into those applications to kind of view the photos. Uh, it, it's perhaps less fully integrated out of the box, but actually allows for a much greater flexibility because, of course, any application can integrate that way. It doesn't have to be one of the supported ones. And so, obviously, Microsoft have worked to make sure the obvious ones are there, like Facebook and uh, OneDrive, but you could see an enterprising developer come along and do something similar for Picasa or indeed any other kind of online photo storage service. So I'm very much in favour of that kind of change. And it's that kind of um, both app-to-app communication, but also integration of taking stuff from uh, and putting it inside another app that you know makes quite a, a, a significant difference. So you see that in the Photos Hub, you see it in the People Hub and in a few other places, obviously, in the platform as well. Um, another good example of where the Hub has been upgraded is actually to do with uh, messaging. And there's some updates to the way that email work. So previously, uh, it was attaching multiple documents. That could be a pain. And you couldn't actually see the pictures that you've attached. Now, when you attach a picture, you'll actually see a thumbnail image attached to that you know, particular email right at the top. And there are lots of little changes like that, some of which we're actually going to have to talk about when we get our hands on the devices and can sort of walk through it and go through it slowly. But lots of those are in Windows Phone 8.1 and haven't really been talked about uh, in any detail. So that's the kind of thing we're talking about when we say the hubs have been updated. Uh, I guess another good example of that is the multiple volume control, something that people have been requesting for a long time, that you now have a separate volume control for ringers and notifications versus kind of apps and media so you can have your phone ring at one volume and play music at another and it's that kind of again it's maybe a fill-in feature uh, but it's great to see because it's something that people have been requesting and it's been done in a way that doesn't feel like it's just been bolted on it actually feels a pretty natural part of the ui you can probably imagine exactly how it works just by thinking about the current functionality Um, there's also actually better support for the uh, higher resolution device or the larger screen devices there's been some more optimizations done for things like the 1520 some of them are relatively subtle it can actually be things like the shape and size of the keyboard uh, i didn't have enough time to really compare them in detail but i think i spotted a few in other applications as well so that's something else we'll be keeping an eye on i think it's a more intelligent text resizing for example um, so we'll also bring you an update on that once we can try 8.1 on one of the uh, larger screen devices yeah, I was very glad to see that them rewriting the way the, the audio side of Windows Phone is, is handled because, as, as many people know, a real bugbear of mine has been the, fact, the way audio gets stuck. In between playing audio from games and, and music and podcasts, there's some subtle a bug to do with the playback of mono and stereo audio streams and basically the volume literally gets stuck and you actually have to power the phone down and power it back on just to get to the, the volume control to work in. It's a real, real pain and... Every single pod um, pack catcher uh, developer has been complaining about this or had his, 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 um, his users complaining about it. And he's had to reply saying, no, it's not my problem with my apps, it's a problem with the operating system. And I'm really hoping that this uh, rewriting of the media controls and the media uh, modules in the OS will fix this bug once and for all. Yes, that's absolutely right. And it's, it's those kind of things that I think are an important part of the update that didn't really get talked about. Uh, in in detail and perhaps the other side of that that we could uh, talk about is the enterprise features which 
Uh, yeah, yeah. I mentioned in the last podcast we're important for making Windows Phone more corporate friendly. We're going to do a more detailed article on this in due course, but just to pick out a few of them, there's the introduction of VPN support, and that's actually again done with a kind of open framework, such that you know, corporate corporate organisations will be able to put their own systems into that. It's not just specific to a, a Microsoft solution. And similarly, with some of the uh, enterprise Wi-Fi support, that's EAP, TLS, and also the certificate management and support, it's going to be possible to actually have these devices tied much more deeply integrated into existing enterprise uh, setups. Now, obviously, that does benefit from sort of being a Microsoft product, and it's obviously going to work best with Microsoft solutions. But there should, in principle, be no problem in getting the integration with other products as well. Now, it's obviously going to be dependent on um, enterprise solution providers doing that integration, but a lot of the stuff to require it, both in terms of the supported uh, certificate management and the APIs are actually now there. Uh, I think the single biggest one, though, is probably going to be the improved MDM functionality, and that's you know, uh, how you do the mobile device management. And that's everything from enrollment, and there's actually improvements with the UI on the device, so you can actually go through an enrollment process on the device itself and then also remove yourself. So the way this works, for those that aren't familiar with the, the enterprise process, you can actually have a device kind of enrolled into a, a company and then certain settings will just come down and the device will be provisioned with certain settings, email accounts, maybe a, a setup for a, a link account, that's for kind of a messaging and voice solution, also potentially content and apps as well. And within that um, MDM solution, you'll also be able to do content management. So you'll be able to block certain apps from being used or you'll be able to enable certain apps or you have them installed uh, and you then be able to remove them remotely. And of course, all the existing kind of MDM stuff in terms of being able to remotely lock, remotely wipe uh, devices, all which is important from a security point of view. And there are other bits and pieces like that. I mean, another example would be the support for encrypted uh, signed email or SMIMI, um, or SMIMI, I should say, uh, is in there as well. And that's actually put into the messaging app in a way that you can actually see if an email has been signed or not very clearly, but it doesn't insist on every email going out that way. If you're sending a business email, it can go out that way. If you're sending a personal email, it can you know, go out on the standard method. So all of that stuff is in there. And I think it's a much stronger enterprise play. And um, Another example of this is we talked about Skype and the integration there on the last podcast. My understanding of this from a technical point of view, that's just done using a kind of improved SIP stack in Windows Phone. So there's also opens up the possibilities of uh, enterprises tying in their existing kind of telephony systems into the platform as well. Now, how many of them actually choose to go, you know, fully integrated right down that route is kind of open to debate. Uh, but it is there and it's a possibility. Most are just going to be using the kind of higher level features, particularly the, the uh, mobile device management stuff, but potentially the, you know, support to do a lot more. And along with this is also coming various certifications that are required. Um, you know, for example, for governmental use and also for in the financial industry, when you require a certain level of security, you have to go through certification programs. Not all of those have been revealed yet, but Windows Phone 8.1 is going to have much better support for that kind of thing so that um, government departments and banks can say, yes, it's fine, we can use these devices. They meet all the legal requirements and the security requirements. Uh, and again, that's a, a lot about kind of replacing the BlackBerry element. And so there's an awful lot there, which didn't get talked about very much, which is going to have quite a big impact on, I think, the sales of Windows phone devices. But 
we're going to get a briefing on that in due course and get some more details up on the site once we've had that because it's not an area we necessarily consider ourselves experts in but i'm just flagging it up as an important area to pay attention to and for anyone who fell asleep during the various uh, <laughs> acronyms and the enterprise stuff wake up at the back we're about to come on to something more interesting right uh, lumia cyan let's just move on to this ray we need to wake okay. people up with some excitements Ooh, um, yes. this is this is nokia's platform update on top of windows phone 8.1 um, and I guess we, we had a few things teased, Rafe. We don't know everything that's coming in Cyan. I guess we should just talk br- briefly about um, the possibility of installing applications to micro SD card, which is something people have been asking for for a long, long time. Uh, yes, and this is something that my understanding is that it's going to be exclusive or enabled by Lumio Cyan. It's not something that's part of the platform. I suspect there are enablers underneath, and we'll see it come in in due course. But that ability to take a, an app and move it over to the micro sd card is something that's going to be on the nokia devices it's not actually yet clear exactly how that will work i'm assuming that they will continue to operate it's not kind of an archival process or something uh, which might be useful for big games Uh, this really applies to the lower end devices so things like the lumia 520 and the 620 which you know have eight gigabytes of internal memory and therefore you know space really is at a premium you know, for all the other devices, it's probably not that big a deal. Once you've got 16 or 32 gigabytes of space, you know, you, you've got probably enough room for your apps and you're just using micro SD where available for your content. But, I, you know, this one actually strikes me as quite a big deal. For a long time in the Android world, that kind of micro SD and apps was always a bit of a controversial area. It's obviously better still these days. Well, <laughs> yes, it still is, I guess, uh, better in, in some ways. But uh, it'll be interesting to see Nokia introduce this. And for me, that's actually going to be one of the real highlights of Cyan. Because as with um, other of the, these coloured uh, Nokia updates, black and amber, uh, there's actually kind of two stages to it. It's updates, if you like, at the system level, which generally end up being in the settings application. And there's a few of those. We'll talk about one of those in a moment. And then these app updates. And obviously this moving apps to the SD would be something that's kind of would be part of a, an SD utility app within settings. Another one of those is sensor core. Now this actually doesn't apply to all devices. It's going to be the 1520, uh, the icon, the 630 and the 930. And this is equivalent to the motion chip that you get in uh, the iPhone and in some Android devices, actually in the Snapdragon 800 and 400. And it's a processor that um, sits outside the normal big core and operates all the time to record um, accelerometer motion, so steps and things like that. And it's always on, so it records steps as you're going around, so it's effectively integrating a pedometer or the kind of Fitbit or uh, jawbone up solution into inside the phone and previously it hasn't really been possible to do this because if you wanted the accelerometer functioning you had to have the main processor on and that would drain the battery that's not going to be an issue now and Nokia are creating it as sensor core which is a way to kind of access this data from third-party apps it's initially going to be in being health and fitness but other third-party developers will be able to put it in their own app so expect to see a lot of the kind of sports tracking activities updated by using this data just in the same way that it's actually available on iOS but it's a, a really nice one I think you know given that there's a lot of interest around you know uh, quantified self and wearables they're quite a big deal um, there are a couple of other things being updated by nokia in those uh, settings application as well but perhaps we should talk about some of the imaging side of things as well steve yeah, well in actual fact we don't know too much about the imaging uh, side of lumia sign other than the fact that it was a uh, front and center in mr stephen elop's mention of 
um, the, the platform update, update and what Nokia are doing with it. Um, we have had some misinformation on various sites that the Lumia Cyan version of Nokia camera will be crippled and won't do save full resolution photographs, etc., etc. This is actually poppycock. We've checked with uh, Nokia. We're waiting for a full statement back, and when, it, when we do get that back, we'll do up an, put up an article saying, as far as we know, as far as we're allowed to tell what exactly is coming in terms of imaging and cyan, but I, I guess we should just expect more of the same, more flexibility, slightly slightly improved quality in terms of uh, image processing. That, that's right. I mean, that's going to be those kind of improvements. And there are some updates to uh, the camera and how it takes photos, which we will touch on. Some of the things we do know about is there's actually going to be uh, a simplified user experience within the kind of the photos hub. So at the moment, it's a bit convoluted if you've taken a, a photo with Nokia camera, you have to go into the app again to do reframing on the same applies if you've done a, a smart shot or cinemagraph or refocus. Those are now going to be a single tap away in the Photos Hub. So effectively, those kind of editing functions that you currently drop into another application for are going to be easier to access. And so you'll be able to sort of do a high resolution reframe of an image, essentially just using one or at the most two taps. And so that's, a, I think, a pretty big deal. There's also an update to Storyteller, which is going to knock his alternative way of viewing photos. Um, the big one, though, is they talk about it in terms of living images. And this is combining several photos together into a video slideshow with you know, kind of background music that can then be shared out onto the internet. So it's the idea of you've created these stories within Storyteller. You then want uh, a way of sharing them. And so that's the kind of updates you can expect to see. Um, another imaging related one is actually Creative Studio. That's going to get an update. Now, I actually suspect this will be available um, more generally. And as with some of these other kind of Lumia, uh, Black and Amber updates, actually the apps become available for older versions as well, or sometimes aren't really tied in with the update as such. But uh, Creative Studio is going to get some extra filters. The editing process is also going to become uh, non-destructive. So just an I guess enhancements to the way that works and improved user experience. Elsewhere in uh, Lumia Sign, you'll also see some updates uh, for the here applications. We've actually covered these on the site. Um, you'll get uh, uh, updated satellite imagery is the phrase I'm looking for. And so you'll get much higher quality satellite imagery and aerial imagery. You'll also get ways to rotate the map in here maps by using kind of a two fingered twist, twisting gesture. Uh, and there's also some other bits and pieces coming there. Um, the other thing that you're getting, which I've now remembered, thankfully, uh, in the kind of the settings app as part of LumiaSign is Device Hub. This is something that's actually already available as a beta through Nokia Beta Labs. And it's a way of looking at devices that around you connected by a Bluetooth. And this can be both Bluetooth and Bluetooth low energy and potentially Wi-Fi as well. And how your phone can interact with them and giving shortcuts to the, the necessary apps that do that. So it could be for uh, UPnP functionality. It could be for um, something else. You know, For example, if you've got a Bluetooth low energy accessory that's doing fitness tracking you could have a link to the appropriate app and it's just meant to be a way of being able to understand and get at things and do useful things with the accessories associated with your phone kind of think about it like the existing nokia accessories settings module that lets you do things with the, the nokia specific accessories this will obviously be more general and apply to everything not just nokia accessories and anything that your phone uh, can potentially interact with so, you know, there's actually quite a bit in uh, Lumia Sign. We're going to try and put this together once we've gathered all this information into a single story, but you've got a bit of exclusive here on the podcast. 
Yeah, can I uh, raise a question, Ray? Now, of course. You mentioned living living images. This this puts the a uh, bit of fear in, into me. How on earth are they going to implement this? Is this is can't be an animated GIF because you're talking about adding music. So are they are they really saying they're putting together some favourite images with some favourite music and distributing them as mini MP4 video files? How is this going to work? Yeah, I think that's how it's going to work. We haven't had the full details on this, but it's actually less about sort of creating a video and doing funny things it's making it easier to share uh pictures so if you think about something like nokia refocus uh nokia had to kind of create a service yeah. uh online to make it easy to share those onto facebook and twitter and they did that by actually the pictures are hosted in your OneDrive uh folder and then they're sort of interpreted by a nokia server and sort of turned into the refocus images that the, the sharing thing that you'll see on facebook and other places it's much the same thing is going to apply to Storyteller and that you'll pick out a whole bunch of images, maybe add some music and potentially, I assume, maybe some videos as well. We're not quite sure of all the details yet. And that will then be combined into an MP4. and Presumably, it'll either be stored up on OneDrive or a Nokia server. So it's more a way of sharing images more effectively by packing up rather than that process where, you know, you share five or six images in one go and, you know, people will have to work through each one. It's sort of the idea that you, you, you know, you've been out for a family outing, you've shot 40 images, you choose yeah. the best 20 of them, put a bit of music in, and then you've just got a single link that you can send to granny so that they feel they can be on the dare as well, or, show, or you know, anyone else. Um, you know, we've seen various manufacturers try and do things like this. One of the most effective, I think, has actually been HTC with their kind of Zoe technology and Zoe share. Um, but Samsung and Sony have also done similar things. So I think Nokia is kind of looking in that direction. It may be that there's also some element that's actually coming from the camera as well, perhaps, you know, short capture of three second videos, similar to what uh, HTC and Sony have, have been doing. Uh, but we don't know all the details on that. We will try and get you some updated information as soon as possible, yeah. though. Yeah, so it sounds like a kind of poor man's video editor along the lines of what Android has been shipping as part of stock Android for the last few years, whereas a basic, you, you shove in some photos, you shove, shove in some videos, and add, add some basic transitions, and you're done without anything too fancy. That's right. I mean, we should say with video editing, this is actually something else that is now supported by Windows Phone 8.1. Again, yeah. it's through developer API, so you can probably expect to see a range of video editing applications. I wouldn't be a tall surprise to see Nokia and Microsoft kind of release a, an example one because uh, before you've only been able to trim videos now you'll actually be able to do a, a full range of kind of editing it's all part of the kind of the deeper apis that we talked about last time also enabled by the file picker and this is actually something people have been asking about a file manager in windows phone 8.1 you don't get that but what you do get is the ability for apps to sort of go into what are called known folders and it's um, easier to share data and files between apps and so you know, when you're in an app that uses a certain type of file, you'll be able to go into a file picker and pick it out from kind of the public folders, much like you kind of do with photos at the moment on the current version of Windows Phone, but it will apply to all kinds of files. And so it won't just be limited to photos at the moment when you're trying to you know, do file picking. It's a uh, you've only got photos it will now have everything and i wouldn't be surprised to see a kind of enterprising developer create sort of a halfway solution for a, you know this file manager that will be able to go into OneDrive and the other sort of public areas on, on your device as well but uh, that whole user file area is something that's been uh, updated it's probably something we should talk about a little bit as well steve yeah oh, what, in a different podcast or on this one well, I talk about it a little bit in this one because it does tie in with the last topic that I wanted to talk about this week, which was 
back up and restore, which I know is something you've uh, moaned about in the past. Yes. What on earth? What do you mean? Do you mean back up and restore in terms of the, the, the whole user's settings, applications and so forth? Or are you talking about something at the developer level? I was confused here. Well, there's, there's two both levels actually but the good news is that uh windows phone will now support complete backup and restore including the start screen arrangement itself um, at the moment what windows phone does is sort of basic settings backup plus the actual apps you've uh you know, downloaded but when it re-downloads those apps it's actually just putting them into their bare state it will now support having app data go up and down as well so that could be something like game save status or data that you've entered into uh, an app as well as app settings themselves now it won't apply to all the existing applications it's actually to start with it's um, by default all 8.1 apps so developers creating apps for 8.1 will have that data backed up automatically it's kind of an opt-out process so the vast majority of apps will kind of get this automatically and it's going to be a daily process that um, those that data in app folders gets uh, backed up to to one drive now there's actually kind of three elements to talk about there's uh, roaming and this is a, a reference to having settings in apps really more than anything else that can get then get shared between devices and so if you set a particular theme or you set up a particular account in an app that can get then get shared up to another windows device and obviously that needs to you know, tie into the same api set um, so that could be a, a tablet version of the app or a windows pc version of the app or potentially at least running on another phone as well and so that data roaming is about the sharing of settings. We talked about how Windows Phone 8.1 does that at the system level with things like theme colors and with their Wi-Fi passwords. But that's also going to apply to apps. Now, obviously, it does require developers to do a bit of work to make that that happen. Then there's the, the backup process itself, which is kind of, as I say, it will happen uh, daily. And that's kind of an opt-out process. So most 8.1 apps will get that by default. I think the the problem will come is there's going to be a lot of 8.0 apps still out there that don't have it yet. Um, and the restore process will work just like as restore does at the moment when you're setting up a new device. You know, you'll enter in your Microsoft account and it will then download everything. But the, the good news is on an 8.1 device, it will actually be much closer to being a full device restore in that you'll you'll enter it and you'll get your start screen back again and actually those tiles will fill up gradually they'll actually be grayed out as first and when the apps are downloaded and the data is being restored they'll reappear as active live tiles on the start screen and similarly in the actual app list itself all those apps will appear and where they're 8.1 apps you'll also get that data associated with them downloaded so for example for a podcasting app you'd actually get you know your list of subscriptions would be restored as well it's will depend a little bit on how exactly they're implemented but for the most part um microsoft has set it up such a behavior is it's going to have to be opt out so in most circumstances with the newer apps you'll kind of get everything restored perfectly and i think that's really great news for windows phone users you know when you're moving between yeah. a device it's going to come a much smoother and easier process just bear in mind there will be a a few uh, bumps along the way really from the older apps yeah, and then there might be a very slight data overhead in terms of increasing the, the cellular data needed from the phone back up to the servers and, and vice versa. But I, I suspect as it's just passing through literal information rather than media, then it shouldn't be an issue. That, that's right. And actually, Microsoft has already said that the 
what kicks off or triggers a backup process is um, there's going to be various things, just as there is at the moment for backing up photos to to the cloud, that it will be when the device is charging and when there's a Wi-Fi network present. So I think most people can assume that this will happen when you're at home overnight and things like that. We don't have the full details, obviously, and have to wait and see the practical implementation. But um, most of the data we're talking about is relatively small in size you know it's going to be about backing up app settings and maybe a few save files rather than you know gigabytes of data um, most of that is you know most of the stuff that's stored on your device is content that you put on there yourself or photos um, and obviously that's dealt with separately and then in terms of applications it's going to be office documents they're probably already stored in one drive and then it's sort of app settings and maybe uh, you know a few bits and pieces that you create. But it, for the most part, it's it's not going to be very big. You know, the big stuff is actually the apps themselves, and they're downloaded from the Windows Phone store as before. Yeah. Now, now before we finish, Rafe, by the time that we record the next podcast, I shall have my uh, Windows phones running uh, Windows Phone eight point one. You you're going to ask me how, Steve? Go on, ask me. I'm going to ask you how, Steve, because I'm going to pretend I don't know the answer at all. <laughs> well, we hope you will anyway. <laughs> <laughs> the, the thing is that uh, Microsoft makes available their, their app, uh, developer preview uh, version of Windows Phone at each stage. But the idea being that developers can get early access to the finished builds of an, uh, the mobile OS and then test their apps against it on real-world devices. But, of course, this also means that the canny power user who really, really, really wants to play with the new version of the OS can pretend to be a developer. When, let's face it, many of us have done developing at some point in the past. It's not too far a stretch. In this case, if you sign up for something like Windows Phone App Studio, I think there are, there are other there are development programs you can also join. You sign up with your Windows, uh, your Microsoft Live ID, um, and then you're then registered. You then download a, sim- a simple program um, in the Microsoft Windows Phone Store um, for the, the application uh, developer preview, and you tick a te- checkbox, and thereafter, in the check for updates, in settings, you see... The, the build of, in this case, 8.1 coming down hopefully next week. Now, that sounds like a lot of steps to go through. It only takes a couple of minutes, but I would only really recommend it for power users. Um, in theory, uh, things like Lumia Scion and official uh, platform updates will arrive over the top of that that preview, and everything will go smoothly. But, Rafe, you never really know. And uh, I, as you, you mentioned, bumps along the way there. I wouldn't be too surprised if something like a developer preview edition you encountered a few oddities, shall we say, when the official platform updates come along. You might end up having to do a hard reset and rebuild, which at least will give you the benefit of testing the, uh, some of that restore functionality. So, well, uh, fun, fun, fun there. <laughs> That's right. I mean, I, I think basically the advice here, don't use it unless you are kind of prepared for something to maybe involve resetting your phone. It shouldn't happen. And in the past, it's been a very smooth process and none of us have had any problems with it, but it's kind of not guaranteed to work. Um, I think probably most people listening to this podcast are going to go ahead and do it anyway because they want to get their device on <laughs> 8.1. I will do it, but I probably won't do it on every device. I'll do it on a, on a test device or two. And just to emphasize, it doesn't come with the manufacturer-specific bits. For most manufacturers, that doesn't make yeah. a lot of difference. For the uh, Nokia devices, it, it, it does make a difference. It shouldn't break the existing stuff, but some of the stuff we're talking about there with Lumia Cyan uh, won't arrive straight away, and so you won't have it as, as part of this update. Uh, technically speaking, I think it breaks the warranty in some countries. You'd be pretty unlucky <laughs> to uh, actually run afoul of that, and you can actually 
uh, take the Nokia software recovery tool and use that to kind of roll back to the previous version, although that will wipe out all your data and settings and everything. Um, so we've got a link to that on the site. So if you if you want to experiment and then decide you want to go back, and I can't really see why you would, it, theoretically it's possible, but um, it's a uh-huh. bit of a, a, a tricky process. Uh, the timing of this, yes, potentially by next week, um, there's been various dates rumoured. I think we wrote about a story um, for the 10th of April that WP Central mentioned. Uh, Neo Win have talked about, I think, the 17th or the 14th of April. So there's a couple of um, dates up in the air. The only official line that we've had is during April. Uh, so given we've got the Easter weekend coming up, I wouldn't be that surprised to see Microsoft put out something next week in the sort of the, the first part of the week, maybe Wednesday. Let's um, Let's wait and see on that. Yeah, I did see a tweet from uh, Joe Belfiore in which he mentioned the first half of April. So, ah, well, there we go. Hope. So maybe, uh, <laughs> may, may, let's um, take a while, punt and say the fourteenth, and it's going to be next Tuesday. But uh, uh, we'll don't don't hold us to anything. But it's kind of exciting because that will be the chance for everyone to get their hands on eight point one. And as Steve mentioned, you don't actually have to pay anything. You can uh, use the Windows Phone App Studio. That's kind of a free route to get this update. And what we would encourage any developer listening to this is to go ahead and do that, get your app updated to 8.1 and get some of that new uh, backup and restore functionality as well as some of the other cool bits and pieces that are available in 8.1. And that's actually what this program is really about. And of course, uh, consumers will get access to the update formally in new devices. First of that will probably be the 6.30 at the beginning of uh, May. And then the existing devices will get an over-the-air update, which I think is going to be June, if not July. I was rather disappointed, Rafe, in your breakdown of the enterprise features for Windows 8.1. You, 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 you didn't give me the chance to leap in with the joke I was going to do. There was the whole list of acronyms, and I was going to play a game, and I was going to throw in an acronym that didn't fit and see if people could spot it, which is rather disappointing. Oh, well, I, people, I think people might, might have spotted Smirsh. Well, people always say we're too serious on this uh, uh, podcast and that we should have more jokes. So if you'd just like to imagine that Steve did make a Bond villain joke <laughs> without the presence of you and... Um, please go ahead and we'll, we'll we'll try and be a bit funnier next time but um we haven't got ewan with us who's a, a usual source of well entertainment shall we say but we're hoping to get him back on uh next week he's just had uh, various eurovision things going on and the timing for this has all been uh up in the air so uh i hope you've enjoyed listening to this podcast some of the uh, normal service is going to resume next week steve you've been doing uh, more of your imaging tests probably talk about a bit about the htc1 the duo cam and some of the approaches there and the galaxy s5 will be in reviewing tomorrow so hopefully i should be building a, a head-to-head camera with the 1020 there as well and we all should also have a, a sony device sooner or later as well to talk about those are kind of the three big ones i guess that have uh, come up in recent discussions being compared to the 1020 but um we'll also get steve to talk a little bit about the s5 some of the other elements of it of course it's got uh some of the new sensors and the health stuff on it as well which uh it's becoming something a theme isn't it in 2014 it's you know what can your phone do beyond its sort of traditional functionality we always wondered whether convergence was over or was going next but it, it seems that more and more of it is coming in but actually now it's about the devices that sit around your device feeding it information as much as stuff that sits inside the phone itself so uh yeah. more on that it always was about convergence there wasn't it Rafe? right back to the earliest days Indeed, of yeah. it was about that getting more and more devices building them into the one device the phone that could do everything there was a famous um instant one of the symbian smartphone shows about six or seven years ago where i think it was nigel clifford wheeled on stage a 
but had a, had, a, had a minion wheel on stage, a wheelbarrow full of devices, and basically said, a smartphone now does all of this. And I think we could now add an extra wheelbarrow of an extra load of gadgets, and the smartphone now does all of that as well. That's right. It's kind of that uh, theme we've had for many years of phone becoming kind of the digital heart of your life. The, the only um, thing I would add to that is now it's actually expanding beyond that. the idea of the smartphone as a kind of singular or an insular device is definitely going away. We're having so clouds of devices sitting around. And I don't mean clouds as in cloud storage. I mean, you might be wearing something on your wrist. Um, I guess it's sort of an extension of the Bluetooth headset idea. That was very much an input mechanism, but that was, you know, from you, but now there's kind of inputs coming from all sorts of other places. And the device hub I mentioned there that's part of uh, Lumia Sign is also an extension of that, the kind of idea that your phone needs to very much talk to all the devices around it. And uh, I think we're going to be talking about that a lot more. I mean, we didn't mention it in this podcast, but uh, the Bluetooth low energy uh, APIs have been confirmed for Windows Phone 8.1. That means we're going to see things like a Fitbit app, a Pebble smartwatch app before too long. We know that both those are, are being worked on, or at least um, Fitbit have come out, I think, and publicly said it. Uh, Pebble have said they're always keen to support new platforms, and I know there's various third-party developers uh, working on solutions there, and I'm looking forward to being able to using both of those as a, a user of those two yeah. wearables myself, and I think that's going to be a, a broader trend um, something definitely to look forward yeah. to. Yeah, maybe we can table that for, as you say, for another podcast. Indeed. A proper discussion. Windows Phone and wearables, maybe in a, in a month or so's time. That would be quite fun. Uh, in the meantime, we're, we're done, I think. We're, we're over time, but I hope people have enjoyed this extended look at Windows Phone 8.1. I shall hopefully be playing with it, as perhaps well, many people will listen to this. So uh, comments welcome on this or, or on our other stories about the uh, the launch. In the meantime, goodbye from me.